Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Kay Sweetser, Ph.D. APR, who is Associate Professor of the University of Georgia Grady College. Today we will discuss using social media to build business. As an Associate Professor of Public Relations at the H.W. Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication, Dr. Sweetser's research focuses on the use of Internet technology in political public relations and communication. Specifically, she has researched digital tools like Twitter, Facebook, and blogs with regard to the personalization they offer organizations. She has looked at this in public relations context as well as in political campaigns. In addition to a rich life in academia, she keeps one foot squarely in the day-to-day practice of public relations through her affiliation with the U.S. Navy as a drilling reservist. In 2011, she was deployed to Afghanistan, where she worked the news desk for the war and served as a NATO spokesman for important world events such as the death of Osama bin Laden. During her time at war, she was able to serve as an advisor to the government of Afghanistan, sharing her knowledge about social media and its best practices from a government communications standpoint. She held large group training sessions with government communication officials, as well as one-on-one sessions with the spokesman for the Ministry of Interior. She regularly turned to Twitter as an information dissemination tool during crisis. Dr. Sweetser is an accredited public relations professional and has won numerous professional and teaching awards over her career. She earned her doctoral degree from the University of Florida. She has been at the University of Georgia since 2006. Kay, welcome. Thank you for having me. Social media is such a broad topic and I think a topic that makes a lot of people anxious because it has taken over in a lot of ways and yet at the same time it's difficult to get a handle on how it is truly a practical tool from a business perspective. Would you help us get the conversation started by giving us sort of a paint the picture of social media as it relates to business today? I think that this is a great question and a really pressing one to start with because a lot of organizations are looking for how do I get the um, organization to buy in to the idea of social media. And I think that is really at the heart of what you're asking. What it comes down to is regardless of whether your organization is on social media, people are talking about you. They're talking about your brand. They're talking about their experiences with your brand and your organization. And it seems like it makes a lot more sense to be there, to be a part of the conversation. At the very least, people are representing basically your organization and your brand. So the idea of organizations working with social media, I think, will vary based on what their comfort levels are. And the for me, the bottom line is understanding that regardless of whether you want to be there, you're already there. What would you say when we talk about social media that we're talking about? Is this YouTube? Is this Twitter? Is this Facebook? Which are the key social media channels? Social media is really going to be defined as any social website or app that allows people to interact with one another, to share information, to connect. Um, in some in some cases, it's playing games like Foursquare is a game where you earn points um, for checking into certain businesses, etc. So when it comes to understanding what is, you know, the best social media for an organization, I think you have to first look at yourself and you have to say, who are my target publics and where are they? What are they using? 
um, it, it kind of, as a, as a scholar of social media, it often makes me very nervous when I see these big blanketed emails that go out and say, this is the right time to send out a tweet, or this is the best time to do X, Y, and Z, because those basic metrics don't work when it comes down to your specific organization. Everything is going to be different. What's different for a university's social media website is going to be very different from what a B2B company is going to want to do. So you really have to look at who are my target audiences, what social media tools are they using, how are they using it, and then how can I fit in to that conversation. How do you do that? Well, um, and I just realized that was a little bit of evading your question of, of what the, the social media tools were. So hopefully you'll forgive me for that one. Um, but uh, how do you do it? I think the first start is listening. A lot of times people will talk about social media and how you kind of get your foot in the door of pretending it was a cocktail party. So when you go to a cocktail party and you see a group of people who are talking about things, they might even be talking about um, something that is your company or your brand or your interests, and you want to join that conversation. So do you just barge right up to them and then cut people off and then start talking about what, what it is your company does and providing a commercial? Nobody does that. And if that were to happen in a, in a cocktail party, people would look at you and they would try to push you out of the conversation and you would be met with a very negative response. And that's why a lot of brands, as they began working in social media, were, were really shoved out and had those negative experiences because they weren't treating it like the social events that they are. And so let's go ahead and, and look at this from more the, uh, interpersonal aspect. So when you go to that cocktail party and you see that group over there on that side of the room talking and you know that you want to be a part of the conversation, naturally you walk up to them, you sit and you, or you stand there and, and you listen to what they're talking about. And then you look for an opportunity to insert yourself into the conversation where you're adding value. And that's what organizations need to do in social media. You have to understand that social media is, in the very definition, social. And so you have to respect the values and the way that the, the particular uh, medium is going to work. And I think if you think of it like more interpersonal experiences, then you're going to be a lot more successful. And so the short um, uh, summary to answer your question there, Elena, then, is that you have to listen to what's happening. And so identify where your target publics are. Some of them are going to be YouTube. Some of them are going to be Twitter. Some might be more blog type um, publics. Identify where your publics are and then start to um, follow those accounts that relate to your publics and um, listen to what people are saying about you. Set up Google searches for when people are mentioning you, when people are mentioning specific keywords or terms or issues that deal with your organization. And start your process by entering social media by listening just like you would if you were approaching a group of people that you wanted to talk to at a cocktail party. Now, what we're talking about today is using social media to build business. So if I'm hearing you correctly, the first thing that you do is you figure out who your audience is and where they are on which social media channel or channels, and you listen to the conversation before you jump in. But obviously that's not enough. That's just going to inform you about what's happening, but it's not really going to do any business building quite yet. Is that right? That's right. And I would actually put that listening as the second step. Um, the first step is one of those that I think sometimes when people get started in a social media project, they just think, well, we need to be in social media. We need to do something. Let's start a Twitter or let's do this or, or whatever the case may be. I think the first step is you really have to go back and, and go textbook. And you have to set goals and objectives for your social media 
program for your uh, to help define what your social media strategy is going to be. These goals and objectives that you set absolutely have to be in line with your business goals. And so um, really take some time to come up with goals and objectives. Your goal is going to be just the overarching big um, thing that you want to achieve. And then your objectives are going to be those um, much more fine-tuned um, statements that have a timeline in it of, of when you're going to accomplish something and by how much you're going to accomplish it. Um, and is it going to increase or decrease? All of those items will help with the um, objective. Once you have your goals and your objectives, then that's going to help you define who your target audiences are. And then that's when I would jump in to the listening because you would go and listen in the places where your target audiences are. Um, so I think that, um, you know, all of this sort of back end type of things are, are things that end up not getting the amount of attention um, when organizations first start in social media because they're, they're sometimes a little bit overwhelmed because it is overwhelming and there are so many negative stories out there. Um, but you're absolutely right that that isn't how you're going to build your business um, from the social media uses. It's just starting to build that awareness of course, you can't build business unless you know what's going on. Um, so from that point, after you have listened, then you can make informed decisions. You know, my organization seems like it'll fit in really well on Twitter. And I feel like I can provide information to my public so that is interesting um, and not always related just to me. It can be about my areas um, and uh, hot topics and issues that my industry deals with, as well as um, peppered in here and there, a couple of um, commercials about how wonderful our organization is. Or you might find that, no, uh, my organization is better suited for something like Vine, which is a looping video um, social media um, network right now. And so you will figure out from listening where you might fit in and you'll start to um, also look at competitors to see what competitors are doing so that you can get ideas about what works and what doesn't work. And then you start um, to actually uh, open your accounts and begin interacting. Um, the worst thing you can do, and so if you take one um, note during this podcast, I want you to write this down and then put a big X through it and maybe draw a little unhappy face. The worst thing you can do is set up a Twitter account and then send out a press release that XYZ company is now on Twitter. Nobody cares. What the best way to do it is sort of deal deal with it like um, a restaurant would open. When a restaurant opens, they don't advertise the very first day that they're opening open. They have the soft opening. And so they work through all the issues about, you know, how uh, servers um, are trying to figure out um, how to get the tickets back to the, the cooks in enough time to to um, properly get everyone served. They figure out how to run the credit card machines and, and do all of these little things so that when they do have that big grand opening party, then everything is running very smoothly. Um, you do the same approach for your social media launch. Um, in fact, you don't even need to say that you're launched. Just go and do it. If you're doing it well, people are going to start to notice, and they're going to notice very quickly. But it's not a good idea to launch and draw attention to that. Um, that's a little bit more, I would say, um, 2001. Unless you're someone like Warren Buffett that makes the headlines just because he opens a Twitter account, right? Well, and uh, he may make headlines because he opens a Twitter account, but chances are he's not releasing a press release um, about him opening a Twitter account. And I think that's kind of the, the difference um, there. The universe still seems difficult to get your arms around if you are a newbie to this space from a business perspective. How do you know if your audience is at a particular channel and whether they want to hear from you? Let me be specific. I read an article a couple of months ago that said that even though Facebook 
was very, very popular, that there were millions of people that were uh, had Facebook accounts, that many or most of those accounts were outside the United States, and that many people in the United States and Europe had been closing their accounts because of privacy issues. And in addition to that, that the people who were still active on Facebook in the U.S. and Europe didn't want to hear from corporate messengers while they were on Facebook, that they didn't want to be reached out to with advertising and targeted messaging. So how do you figure out if that's the case and whether you should still have a presence? Does it matter whether you're a retailer or business-to-business or a product or a service? How do you go figuring these things out? There's so many great um, questions that you have, have set up for me there. Um, so I'll, I'll try to take them um, in a way that, that doesn't have me jumping all around because um, I'm so excited to, to um, talk about these topics. Um, the first one is how do you find out where people are? And for me, the best answer is um, certainly you could go out and do your own studies and um, try to figure out where your actual publics are. Another thing that you could do would be to use secondary data. And so um, a fantastic resource for secondary data with regard to social networks and, and really all things technology and, and technology usage would be uh, Pew Internet and American Life Project. So Pew Internet has these really great um, frequently released studies on very specific as well as more general media adoption stats. And so they'll break it down by topic um, where you might be able to find your specific issues um, and who is using the Internet to look up your issues and, and how they're using the Internet. They'll break it down by demographics. They have so many different ways that they cut it, and they're constantly releasing data um, that they also trend so that you can see the increases or perhaps the decreases in particular um, topic areas of interest or demographics. So uh, I think finding out where people are is a little bit easier today thanks to secondary data sources, and in particular, I really, really love Pew. Um, another thing that, that you um, mentioned were the idea of so many people maybe being online and being in these spaces, but not necessarily being within your target audience group. So they might be, you might be a local business, and um, they it, it doesn't matter if you have 50 million people like your Facebook page if they are not in your uh, local area because they're never going to use your business. So um, I think that is an important thing for people to remember that you can't count likes. You can't just say, oh, we're going to get to 500 fans. We're going to get to 50,000 fans and, and make that a mark of a celebration because you don't know unless you really dig down into the Facebook Insight data you don't know that those are the right people. What if they're robots? Robots in China. You, you just don't know. And so um, I really try to um, push people away from getting caught on that number of how many Facebook fans they have. Because to me, it's not how many fans they have. It's how many of the right people do you have in that room. That is what's going to make a difference. And then, it, and then I think the, the last area that you brought up was something that we all struggle with in the communication industry. How do we create compelling, interesting information? And in social media, we're actually sort of charged with an extra slice of that is interesting enough for people to want to share so that it may go viral or that they may want to engage and it can um, build a relationship with the organization there. This is going to be different for every organization. I believe that no matter what your organization is, if you can find that sweet spot of compelling content, of giving people, your publics, what they want, then you will do what it is you need to do to stay on their feed, and they won't block you. They won't un unfan you. They will continue to be interested in you. And so ways that you can figure out how well you're doing in that is look at what your competitors are doing. 
And then take a, a big look at yourself and say, am I only pushing out basically commercials? Or am I also offering new and interesting information that may not have anything specifically to do with my organization, but is about my issues or my industry or my area? Am I offering other types of information that make me a resource? Uh, and I think when you start that or you give behind the scenes sort of views about um, what is happening with your organization or your brand, then you really start to build that interest. Um, I think about a lot of the retail companies um, and uh, clothing brands and how they operate on social media. And they really have taken their um, purview outside of just merely dresses or shoes and they have created this idea of a lifestyle. And so it's not, um, it's not strange for a dressmaker to, on their Facebook page, have a recipe for a cocktail. Because that's a part of the lifestyle. The, the women who wear these dresses drink these fabulous cocktails. So you're expanding who you are and providing information that is in line with who your brand is. But it's not always that um, very pointed commercial. And I think those sorts of things of understanding what that means for your individual organization is going to help you find that sweet spot. Which would you say are the most used, the most effective social media channels? I realize that each individual company, each individual business has to figure out where their audience is, which you told us at the beginning. But are there social media channels that you would say are the most likely to be effective, the ones that you might want to look at first or the ones where perhaps no matter what you need to have a presence? That is a great question. I think that one of the most important places to be is Facebook. I know that Facebook changes constantly and um, it allows people more ability to fan a page, however, hide information from their feed. But the components that are a part of Facebook, if you can find that sweet spot of content delivery, make it so rich of information. There are ways for people to like you and comment and interact with you and share what you're saying. Even if they don't repost what you put on your Facebook wall, just that mere hitting of the like button for many users means that it shows up in their feed, which now becomes them acting as a spokesperson for your company. And so Facebook, I think, is one of those places where, for the most part, brands want to be. It is also one of the places that um, I see across the board so many brands failing at because all they're doing is a commercial. They're not, they don't have a content strategy behind what it is they're trying to accomplish on Facebook. And they don't remember that Facebook is like that cocktail party that we talked about. And you can't just always, no matter what is happening in the conversation, insert your commercial. You have to offer other information that's going to that's going to be interesting to people. And there's um, and of course, you can relate it to your organization that makes it in line with who you are. One area that I see for growth is um, Vine in some cases, depending on who your target audiences are. And Vine is a, um, a sort of a looping video um, uh, tool. Um, another one is Instagram has become very popular with um, clothing retailers and, and really anybody who's trying to either sell a lifestyle or something or um, a uh, a product or anything that's very visual. And so for from running shoes to dresses to um, uh, tourist destinations, I see Instagram as being one of those types of media 
opportunities right now that brands are really starting to get involved with. When you go to establish your social media presence, there are things that you need to be aware of. There are behaviors that are acceptable and others that are not. There's a certain etiquette, and this varies slightly from channel to channel. Things like not typing in all caps, the certain kinds of abbreviations, and so forth. Would you help us get an understanding of the kinds of behaviors that you should be aware of as you start your business building on social media? Well, first, I think it's important to think of your entry and your visiting in any social space, much like you would thinking about traveling to a foreign country. So there's no way that you would ever go to a foreign country without just reading up on what the um, ways that people communicate with one another are, what different uh, things are appropriate um, with regard to shaking hands or what clothing you wear and those sorts of things. And so the same can be said and the same can be true in social media. Uh, Elena, you've already touched on some of the probably really most important things, such as don't type in all caps. People think that it's screaming. Um, the other one is to avoid acronyms. People don't speak in the language that you speak inside your organization. And so it's important to realize that when you are communicating to an external public that you want to make it as clear as possible. And, okay, let, let's say that maybe the person that is um, reading the tweet would understand the acronym. But let's say that person liked that tweet so much that he wanted to retweet it. Well, if the acronym is in there, then that whole new audience that you're about to be exposed, that is about to be exposed to you is perhaps not able to understand the fullness of the message. And so really, I think that um, the tip that you provided of staying away from acronyms is fantastic. Um, I think you really want to come up with a content strategy and a content calendar that makes the most of all the different things that you can do on any medium. And so you might ask an interactive question or a poll um, one day. You might um, share a news item or a link to um, a news article that is probably not about your company, but maybe about your industry or about the issues you cover another day. Um, then you might have uh, a photo contest um, another day, and then you might have your standard sort of commercial item in there. And so by planning out the variety of your posts, you keep yourself from sounding too much like a constant commercial. Um, you want to provide your publics with as many opportunities to engage and to interact with your brand as possible. And so think about asking them for their feedback on a product or on um, a question that you're wrestling with. This is a great way to do a focus group without spending a lot of money and to get instant feedback um, on a product or a question that you've been considering. Um, I think it's important for social media brands to have some sort of a comment policy and engagement policy in place. And so this helps make sure that everybody understands um, how they're supposed to act on these spaces. Not only the people who are operating the social media for your company, but it also sets out um, some informal rules for the people who are interacting, your publics who are interacting with your brand on social media. And so things such as you might say, this is a family-friendly atmosphere, and that's code for no, no cussing, no curse words. Um, or, you know, we want to keep, um, if you disagree with someone, ensure that you do it respectfully. So that's code for no attacking someone. Um, and then in that social media policy, you also outline what happens if someone breaks that code 
Um, are you allowed to delete a comment? And as long as you have it posted and it's a very clear violation, then you should not have really anyone um, coming after you or, or, or trying to make a big deal about you deleted a comment as long as it was a clear violation of your, your comment um, policy that you have posted. The last tip I'll have of mistakes that companies make would be to constantly be that commercial, that every single thing that they um, post. Um, another related piece is that your Twitter and your Facebook might be joined, and so you're not getting unique content on all going out in the same way. And that can get really annoying um, to your target publics where they really want to see something different in each of these spaces. And sure, maybe there is um, a little bit of um, uh, commonality in the information that's being shared. It's the same YouTube video or something, but it doesn't have to be the same exact setup. And it certainly uh, does not have to be linked, um, where when you send it out once, it goes to all of these different places. Um, social media is about tailoring, and it's about being social. And so if you start to look like a robot, then you're going to really turn your publics off. When you were talking about the etiquette, you talked about who was on the channel, and that brings me to the next question, which is, who is the right person to represent you on the social media channels? Should it be the company's top executive? Should it be somebody from a marketing department or a sales department? Should it be several individuals? How do you make those decisions? I feel that the people who represent the company on social media definitely need to understand social media. Now, that does not mean that your intern who comes to work for you for the summer is your automatic choice because your intern doesn't understand the organization uh, to the same degree that you understand it and certainly has um, not used professional communication to the degree that you have. And so I think you need to find somebody who's sort of in the middle, someone who understands social media, but also understands the traditional forms of communication and those really fundamental pieces of what it means to stay on message, to connect with your publics, to understand your target audience, and to communicate strategically. When you do that, when you find a person who who is able to do that, I think you have a very successful social media voice. Now, there's no problem with having several people on a social media team and having all of them communicate Often what companies will do in that case is they'll have some sort of a notation that show this one, this particular content was posted by this member of the team and this um, content was posted by another member of the team. And, and companies will work that out internally, how they want to deal with that. And they'll often post that information um, in their policies where they discuss um, not only what they social media sites, but also um, how they are operating from the, from within. So there's a lot of transparency there. Um, what who, Whoever you have operating your social media or how many people there are, um, I just think that it's important for those people to understand the social media strategy understand what you're trying to obtain. And I really like it when the person has a sense of humor. Um, if, if the person is a little bit dull, then that person probably won't do very well on social media. Um, additionally, while it's great to have the senior executives participate on social media, they honestly have so many more things that are probably slightly more pressing than uh, sending out a tweet. And so, 
Um, I wouldn't set up that expectation for the senior execs um, to handle social media accounts. I think it's probably more of a middle management type of a process. With regard to who needs to be in charge of it, um, I I feel pretty strongly that social media is not just about marketing. Although there is also a part of customer service in there, I think the best place for your social media people is from within your public relations department. Because public relations understands a little bit of the marketing, understands a little bit of the customer service, and they understand just the general um, dealing of how important it is and and why you should build a relationship. And they're also trained in how to go about doing that from a communication standpoint. And so I think public relations is probably the best area from which to um, draw your social media team. What about metrics? For a lot of people, it doesn't exist if there's no way to measure the impact. And of course, brand building is important and this is part of what you're doing in social media, but how can you measure your effectiveness? How can you decide where to focus your resources on which channel or whether you should be on social media at all, etc.? Social media metrics are seriously the things that have me spring out of bed in the morning. I love metrics and I love numbers. And um, I think that when a lot of people undertake these social media projects, they forget about the fact that, hey, we have to measure this. We have to understand if this is adding value to what we're trying to do or if this is just taking away all important hours where we could be spending um, our efforts in other places. And so I think social media measure measurement is super important. And it's not as difficult as people may think. Um, in my undergraduate public relations research class at the University of Georgia, I have my students do a social media monitoring project throughout the semester. Now, the interesting thing about this little class assignment is that Throughout class, I never talk in class about how to measure social media. All I'm teaching them in that class is the traditional research method approaches, content analysis, survey, creating variables, identifying target audiences, all those core traditional measurement pieces is what I'm focusing on during class. But then I am um, asking them to apply that into a whole new context and really start that critical thinking. And so the key here is that, yes, there are people who say you uh, it's very difficult to measure social media. Some people say you can't do it. Some people say you absolutely can. There's so many conversations about social media metrics. But when it comes down to you undertaking that process, don't forget about your traditional ways that you look at things. And so take those traditional ways of counting up quality metrics, matching up your metric with your goal and your objective, and finding ways to do these measurements. So um, a couple of things that I like to call snake oil salesmen with regard to social media metrics would be counting the number of fans that you have on, say, your Facebook site or the number of followers that you have on Twitter. Um, again, with these groups, you don't, if you, you say you have 500 fans, say you have 50,000 fans, you just don't know that these are your target audience. And so by just focusing on the number of fans or followers that you have, you're really missing out on what's unique and different about social media. And so I would stay away from that. Instead, what you should focus on would be the things that are unique about social media. And so one of the things that's unique is the social part as well, as well as the sharing part. And so social being conversation. So are people leaving comments on your posts? What are they saying in the comments? You could do a very quick content analysis to look at the um, topics that they're talking about as well as the tone that they're using for that topic. 
Um, are they bringing in new ideas or resources or are they parroting what you have said um, from your particular posting? Are they talking to one another and building community within your social network? Um, and so these are things that can help understand the conversation that's happening. Um, I think it's completely appropriate to count the number of likes that you have on your page. And one thing that you should do is you should do a bit of analysis every month to say, okay, when we post a picture, it gets this many likes and this many comments. But when we post a link, it gets this many likes and comments and compare that. So what's the best way to get information to your publics? Is it through a link picture? Um, and so these are ways that you can very um, easily understand what your public's like and how you can deliver information to them. Um, you'll also, of course, want to look at shares, uh, which is fantastic because that's people actually taking your content just as you've posted it and um, repurpose and reposting it um, themselves. The, in Twitter, that would be a retweet that had not been edited. Um, so that's the gold standard right there. Um, that's really what you want are people to so highly endorse what you said that they don't have any edits whatsoever and they just send it out to their group of followers. Um, that is fantastic. So, so um, when it comes to social media metrics and social media monitoring, there are some basic do's and don'ts, but what you really want to focus on are whether your metrics are speaking to your business goals and whether they are adding into your objectives to help you understand whether you're meeting your objectives. And how do you do that? Are there particular tools? Are there ways for you to gather that information? Say, for example, you talked about how engaged they are and how, which things they respond to, how do you do that? Is there, are there guidelines that you can share with us? For me, I actually do it the old fashioned way, which is I create a code sheet and I um, make it a pretty form on Google Forms so that everybody on my social media team can access it and can code for me. And then I go in and I use the item that I, as the organization, has posted as the unit of analysis. And so I go through every single thing that our organization has posted. And I, I record how many comments it has um, total. How many of those commenters are male? How many of those commenters are female? And I don't guess. I, lo I look at the name. I look at the picture. Um, and if I can't make a determination because, you know, you have a sunset as your picture and your name um, is is such that I can't figure out if you're male or female, then I, I don't categorize you as male or female. So I look at how many are male, how many are female, how many are positive comments, how many are negative comments. I look at the number of likes. I look at what type of posting that was from me in the first in the first place. Was it a link, a photo, a video? Was it text only? Was it a Facebook note, um, etc.? And I look at how many shares it got, and I look at the topics that I talked about um, in that particular post and I do those as present absent you know did I talk about issue number one issue number two issue number three that are most important to my organization and from this I can understand now not only what types of people are interacting on my site but what types of information I post that they care the most of and so with this there is no fancy tool um, the fancy tool is your brain and you sitting down and just quickly looking at a Facebook posting, um, as I focused on here in this example, and just recording a, a couple of um, quick and easy pieces of data, and then um, having a, a beautiful spreadsheet that you can um, crunch all sorts of great numbers with. When you decide where to focus your resources, should you take into account the company that's behind the social media outlet. There's been controversy over several of the media channels because of privacy issues, because of copyright issues. 
at what point should you step back and be careful because a particular site, for example, is using photos without the permission of the owners or because somebody is gathering big data on visitors and all sorts of cookies, which now seems to be ubiquitous. What kinds of things should you take into account and what kind of a message does that send to your customers, to your audience? I think listen to what they're saying first. If there is a mass outcry about and disgust about how a particular um, face or (laughs) Facebook, Facebook always comes to mind when you say these questions. (laughs) If there's a particular outcry uh, against how a particular tool is operating and people are really disgusted and upset with it, and they start to leave it, well, then absolutely take a stand and leave it too. Um, But in some cases, it's just a little bit of complaining, and people are still continuing to use it. Um, And that's where, again, Facebook comes comes into mind. Um, Facebook has been very controversial from the beginning with the amount of um, information that they collect on you with the way that they use the information that you upload through their site, um, it's always been very controversial, but yet it remains that one social network that, that almost everybody is on. You know, our grandparents are on social or on uh, Facebook. So um, I, I think you have to just kind of listen to what people are saying and how they're saying it. Now, if you are an organization that um, is faced with a social network that is in sort of a direct conflict with what you um, support, well, then, of course, you're not going to be on it. So if you are the Electronic Frontier Foundation, you're probably not going to be on something like Facebook. Um, But, you know, these are all decisions, I think, that you just kind of have to weigh with what your publics are doing and not as much about, um, you know, the, the media that is coming out about them. When we look at the audience as a giant market of over 300 million people, it's more difficult than if we categorize it by market segment. And then we get into generational issues, we get into ethnic issues, educational issues, socioeconomic issues, etc., what can you tell us about the adoption of social media by these different market segments, Latinos, Native Americans, Generation X, Boomers, and so on and so forth? Are there any insights that are relevant to our discussion of building your business using social media? Well, I would um, refer you to Pew for all of their fantastic data that they have. Um, I actually um, looked most recently at a study that they released in March 2013, and it's called Closing the Digital Divide, Latinos and Technology um, Adoption. And it shows that um, for Latino families that make $50,000 or more, almost all of these groups in all ages go online. And they have cell phones at high levels, um, nearly ubiquitous, and they are using social networks. So um, this particular um, Pew study, this was from the Pew Research Hispanic Center, Um, This particular study found that fully 84% of Latino Internet users between 18 to 29 say that they use social networking sites like Facebook and Twitter. And this was the highest rate among Latinos. Um, When it came to the older generation um, of Hispanic Internet users, 27% of users, um, Hispanic users, um, 65 years and older, use these social networking sites. So, um, there, there are a lot of fantastic data points out there that are based on 
not only specific demographics, um, such as um, race, such as gender, such as age, as well as topics such as are they going online for health information? Are they going online for political information, for entertainment or downloading media? And um, for, for these types of questions, my first stop is always some Pew entity, whether it be uh, something like this study um, that I just referred to from the Pew Research Hispanic Center or the Pew Internet and American Life Project um, that has so many other wonderful studies on it as well. Um, the, the Pew series has a lot of fantastic data points on this, and they're constantly releasing new data sets um, that help us understand on that large national level, who is using particular media, how they're using it, and why. For people who want to learn more about social media as a business building tool, I know you've mentioned Pew several times as a great resource. What other ways, what other resources would you suggest that where they might go, where can they get additional information? Are there books? Are there websites where you would refer them? The University of Georgia recently released a really fantastic online distance learning course. It's a 44-hour course, and the course can be started anytime, and it has um, all sorts of information about how social media can be used strategically. It has actionable um, pieces to help you understand how to integrate it into your organization, and it has a extensive section on building a social media measurement plan with metrics that matter for your organization. And so um, this course is probably the first place that I would start. And you can find that at ugagetsmart.com. That's UGA, like University, Georgia, getsmart.com. And this course was designed for a variety of people. It was designed for managers who want to help their organization integrate social media with their business strategies. Um, it's for people who seek an in-depth practical knowledge and actionable ideas about using social media effectively. It's for college-educated professionals who want to expand their marketing skills. And it's even for small businesses who just want to successfully market their business. And so in this course, they're going to have the opportunity to um, look at how businesses and customers interact with one another on social media, and you'll um, be allowed a mentor that can help work you through this process as well. Um, so it's not just all technology. There actually is a person on the other side of it. And I think this this 44-hour course um, called... Um, excuse me, um, using social media to build business from UGA is a really great place to start, and that's at ugagetsmart.com. So this is a, a non-credit course that anybody can take. Did I understand correctly? That's correct. Anyone can take it. Um, at the end, you'll actually receive a certificate um, after the 44-hour course is over, and that's helpful for people who are um, trying to sort of build their resume with it and that they want to have um, a little bit of extra something um, on there. It also counts for 4.4 continuing education units or CEUs from the University of Georgia. And um, it's, it's open and eligible to anyone with an internet connection. And what is the cost of the course? Um, the, co the cost of the course is $1,999, and um, again, it includes that self-pace option, and so you're not locked into having to do this at a specific amount of time on someone else's timeline. You can do it on your own timeline, and it comes with that access to the, the real live person on the other end, um, the mentor who can help you with understanding the course content better um, or look at your assignments that you might do through the course um, or answer your questions. 
So the 44 hours are at your own pace. It could be an hour a day until the 44 hours are over. How does that work? We have set it up as a 44-hour course where we have specific readings that we like you to do, and then um, the course is all delivered online. And so some people might actually go back and um, take a little bit more time with it because they might read a couple of the sections over a few times um, if that's their learning style, while others might be able to get through it a little bit more quickly. And so the 44 hours is just what is has been estimated educationally that it would take the average student um, to continue um, through this course. And absolutely, you can do it on your own time. You can do it um, while you're on a business trip in China or while you're um, at your desk um, over lunch. And so um, when you have the opportunity opportunity to pick up these materials or to um, connect online to go through the pieces of the course that are there for you, um, you can do it at your leisure. Now, you're one of the professors that is teaching the course, is that right? That's right. I wrote the social media metrics part, um, which I think is fantastic news because social media metrics is really the thing that I love the most in this world. And so um, I give really detailed um, information about how to go about setting up your social media program, starting from that step one, which was writing your goals and your objectives in line with your business objectives, and then going all the way to the end of how do I create a report that tells the story of what's happening in our social spaces for our higher level executives. And so um, that entire process is outlined in the section that I wrote. And then there are colleagues who did a section um, about um, how social media has evolved and where it's going. Um, there are some more practical pieces on there um, of using Twitter. The, the key here is that we didn't want to create a product that was purely academic. We know that business leaders have um, a higher intellect that they can understand and appreciate a little bit of the background and history and strategy pieces, but they also need the meat. They need to know what can I do? How can I do it? How can I put this information into play in my business today and see a difference tomorrow? And that is how we approach this course and um, how the content was written. Who are the other professors who are teaching the course? We have several. Um, we have uh, Dr. Karen King um, from the Grady College. All of them are from the Grady College in the Advertising and Public Relations Department. We have Dr. Joe Fow. We have um, Dr. Karen Miller-Russell and myself. What suggestions, what tips would you share with our listeners who are interested in starting a social media presence or want to boost their existing presence with a focus on building their business? What, say, three to five tips would you share with them that they could take back right away to their office, to their business, and put in place? Find a way to make your content shareable. So there is recent data that came out that said the most retweeted shared pieces of information from Twitter actually have the words in it, please retweet or retweet or please help or visit written in the tweet. Those are key, like almost magic beans of call to action that people on Twitter respond to, and that results in a higher level of sharing. And so find a way, and that was one example, um, of, of getting your content to be shared. Next is find a way to make your publics feel as if they are a part, a key part of your organization. Not that they're customers, but that they are helping um, move you forward. And so this might be something as simple uh, as a photo contest. Send us a photo of, let's say you're a running shoe company, and um, you'll ask for people to send um, photos of their shoes or them in their shoes or what they do in their shoes. 
um, whatever the case may be, asking people to show you how they're using your brand in their life um, in some way helps them feel as if they are a part of the organization. Um, and let's see, a final tip would be um, just remember to spell check. <laughs> that seems like a pretty basic idea, right? It seems like it, <laughs> but not always uh, taken into action, especially when you're at an event and you're you're typing it on your smartphone and you're quickly hitting send and then you see autocorrect completely changed a word of yours. So um, just give it that once over before it goes out there, because after all, this is as official as a press release. Thank you, Kay, for joining us with limited connectivity from Coronado, California. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me and, and putting up with the, the sound issues. Um, I have really enjoyed this conversation. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Kay D. Sweetser, Ph.D. and APR, who is Associate Professor of Public Relations at the University of Georgia Grady College, who discussed using social media to build business. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.